We started building trailers in the front yard of uh, my business partner's house, one at a time. Right now we do 300 plus projects a year. That's amazing. We, uh, we, wow. we crossed the eight figure mark last year and all in under five years. It's amazing what can change when you change. Today's guest is Patrick Bolanos. Patrick Bolanos is the founder and CEO of Trailer King Builders. He's he's a husband, a father, he's a phenomenal leader and a trailblazer in his field of choice. He's also someone I have followed personally on his journey for about four years now. He's inspired me from a distance. Patrick, welcome to the show. Colton, thanks, brother. That's uh, humbling. Thank you yeah. very much. Uh, of course, man. I'm excited to interview you and kind of talk through um, your journey and, and and really see how you built this thing, like you said before before this call, in five short years. I want to take the audience all the way back. I kind of want to walk through your journey as a kid. What were you into? You know, what what kind of led you to become an entrepreneur and what were the trigger points for you? Yeah, man. Again, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm originally from Nicaragua, so I was born in Nicaragua in 1979. They're in the middle of a war. Um, I have parents. Um, my dad's family is American, so my grandmother on my dad's side gave us the opportunity to travel back and forth between Nicaragua and the U.S. I immigrated to the United States in like 1984, I believe. Um, we had to get a green card. We had to go through the immigration process. I remember that clearly. I remember walking in and out of government offices and doing that whole process. I was always in awe of America, the United States. Like I, I could tell the difference between being in a third world country, right? When I was growing up and being in the US, just from the smell alone, I could, you know, the asphalt smelled differently. The houses smelled, smelled differently. Walking in my grandmother's garage or my aunt's garage, that smell, like I could remember that different smell when as I was growing up. Um, you know, I grew up pretty much, you know, we're a middle middle income family in Nicaragua. Um, my great uncle was the president of Nicaragua. We weren't wealthy by any means. Right. But I got the opportunity to go to an American school to learn the American culture, to be, uh, you know, I, I saw what could happen if, you know, you set your mind to something. And I grew up in a family. We were hardworking. Like my my grandfather and his brothers started companies that were taken from them by from the Sandinistas in the 1980s, where they were literally confiscated. They had one of the largest cotton farms in Central America with airplanes to irrigate farms and shit. So they went from being successful entrepreneurs to having nothing. Wow. For a couple of week period, Gosh. and that's why we left. Um, and I came back to Nicaragua in 1992 when there was a change in government. My dad moved us back to his home country and I grew up there, went to high school there. And okay. you know, I played sports. I was a soccer player, baseball player. And, and you know, what's funny is when I was in high school, I had never had a sip of alcohol until my senior year. And then everything just fell apart, right? <laughs> I was an athlete. Yep. But the whole party scene was something that just enveloped, you know, they just engulfed my day to day. Yep. Uh, I, I relate to that actually quite a bit. I relate to that very similar story. Yeah. So, you know, um, I decided from, from an accident or near accident when I tried to call myself a surfer, 
which I wasn't, but um, it was a near drowning experience. And when I got out of the water, I said to myself, I have to get out of here. The fuck am I doing? Like, I would think to myself, like, am I, you know, I'm going to waste my life here. I decided to write to my aunt Carla, which I love dearly. She's like, like a mom to me. And I wrote to her and I said, aunt Tia, I want to get out of Nicaragua and I want your help. And by help, I'm meaning, can I stay with you while I look for a place to go to college and get to work? And she said, absolutely. Come live with us. So I lived with them for about 10 months. Okay. And they took me on and uh, I tried out for the Lindenwood soccer team and I made the soccer team and I got a scholarship to go there. Wow. Um, you know, that was my first sense of accomplishment. I remember the conversation I had with my dad because I called him and told him, uh, I got a scholarship. I got a full ride to the school. And he's, you know, he started crying on the phone. But again, I would always go back to partying and consumption. Yep. And consumption was all alcohol and drugs, brother. You know, like it's mm -hmm. something that that I was uh, a, it was a part of my life. Um, and I went through life. I got married, met my wife in college. I went to St. Louis University. She's Honduran. We. We, we fell in love. We got married and we had the, and we, you know, and I'm going to skip a long time, but over the years, I was always like only successful to a certain point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I became a VP at Citibank in Nicaragua. I was a sales guy with, 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 with success, but I wasn't the best. Mm -hmm. I could never get to that high level achievement that other people were achieving. I always like, it was, there was always something holding me back. And um, till one day, we moved back to the U.S. as a family. It was, we were a family of four at the time. It was 2017. Okay. One week before Christmas, I was working for a restaurant group as their CFO. And as their CFO, you know, I was making maybe 115 grand a year. Um, but I was in debt. And I was living paycheck to paycheck. One week before Christmas, I get let go. They fire me because we were at we had differences of opinion with how they were running the company the owners you know we were bleeding cash and we were uh we weren't making the right decisions with our expenditures and i spoke up about it and they just basically just basically said you're not in line with what we're doing so you got we let you go they let me wow. go i didn't have i didn't know where i was going to make my next paycheck i didn't know how i was going to pay rent in the month of january i was financially broken, spiritually broken. Um, I was lucky to still be married to my wife because I was an idiot. The whole time <laughs> I would just spend my time on the couch watching TV, mm -hmm. watching baseball, drinking. And that's when everything changed for me, man. That's when I hit rock bottom. Wow. And thank God I wow. didn't keep digging because um, I had ex been exposed to self-development, the Andy Frisellas of the world, yep. the Ed yep. Milets yep. of the world. Mm -hmm. And I started listening and that's when that's what that's basically when I tell people that's when I woke up and that's when I started listening and paying attention to who I was hanging around with and what I was reading and what I was doing totally. and to survive to survive. I took on a catering job to make cash on the weekends. I filed for unemployment to collect 400 bucks a week for 12 weeks. And that's what got me through like 12 weeks of the beginning of 2018. And then okay. I landed a job selling trailers. It's crazy. Wow. Like uh, I got the opportunity to sell trailers for another company. Yep. And we started our company where we saw an opportunity that yep. we could, you know, make something happen. 
We started building trailers in the front yard of uh, my business partner's house, one at a time. Right now, we do 300 plus projects a year. Yeah, that's amazing. We, uh, we, wow. we crossed the eight-figure mark last year. And all in under five years, it's amazing what can change when you change. That's right. And that's basically it. That's my story. Wow. That's where I'm at. So there's yep. a lot of other stuff we can discuss, but. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. That That is powerful. So take me back again. So being an immigrant, how do you think that has affected you and almost developed you into becoming an entrepreneur? Was it always a dream as a kid to move to the U.S. and then to start a business or did it just kind of happen? The starting the business just kind of happened, but okay. I've always had entrepreneurship ideas. Yeah. If I showed you a list of all the businesses I wanted to start, I had um, since 15, 20 years ago, that's all I could think about was wow. starting a business. I wanted to be a business owner. Okay, cool. And, yeah. um, being from a third world country, perspective is everything to me. Perspective helps you make decisions every single day, right? Because I'm from a third world country. I've seen poverty. The, to the extent of poverty that nobody in the U.S. sees. I don't think they've ever seen it. Yeah, the right. homeless guys in San Francisco have it better than the poor, poor of these third world countries, right? That's it's right. the poorest country in the Western hemisphere. So perspective wow. for me yep. is what helps. Yep. Um, but you become to get immune to it, right? I'm sure if somebody lives in San Francisco and they walk those streets every single day and they see these people every single day, it's just a normal day to them, mm -hmm. right? That's right. Um, and so I try to use it as a motivator because it helps me be grateful every single day. Gratitude is everything. Gratitude is everything. And if people were more grateful, they would have a totally different life. That's right. That's right. So talk to me about uh, personal development. Obviously, um, you mentioned it already, but how big has that been in your life? I know you're a part of multiple groups. I think you're part of Arate, right? Yes. In multiple groups. So I think, you know, in my journey, right, that has been kind of the calling card, just developing wow. myself into a better person. Because I think when you're the leader and you actually lead a company, lead an organization, personal development really is all that matters because everybody's looking to you. You're the ultimate decision maker and the one kind of guiding and steering thing. So talk to me about how big personal development has been in your life. It's huge. It's the guiding force to anything. Like I said earlier, yep. everything changed until I changed That's until right. I saw it as one of the most important things uh, in my life. Uh, I used to be a cynic about self-development. I used to say, look at all these fucking losers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talking of like Tony Robbins and shit. Yeah. Now I'm called Tony Robbins. People call me Tony Robbins. Those people, that's who I used to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it works. That's at right. the end of the day, I prefer to have um, a life that's easier, right? Yeah. Have you seen that meme that everybody posts? Like, choose your hard. That's right. Uh, yes. Divorce is hard. Yep. Being faithful or whatever, having a have having a, a healthy family or ha a healthy lifestyle is hard. That's or being right. fat is hard. Or being, you know, choose your hard, bro. I That's choose right. I choose the hard that makes my life easier. Actually. That's right. That's good. Yeah. Yep. Very, very true. What do you what are some daily disciplines that you engage in? in the personal development space, maybe even fitness routines. What are some things that you do to develop yourself? 
Uh, let me let me say something very to precursor to to before we get into this because it's important yeah. to know that it's not easy, right? It's important yeah. that people know that while everybody may seem to have it all worked out, mm -hmm. everybody has doubts totally. from the large biggest to the biggest at the top. Mm -hmm. Everybody has doubts. Everybody goes through down cycles. Everybody sees things differently. And yeah. I'm going to tell a story. 2021 was probably the best year we were having for the, you know, forever. I was, I got the opportunity to speak on a couple of stages. I was traveling to these masterminds and then everything changed in June, July of 2021. My mother passed away from a heart attack. Oh, um, and it changed my world. Yeah, I was, and I might have the dates wrong. It could have been, I can't remember if it was September, August, but I mean, it's, it's a day that I'll never forget. I remember seven o'clock in the morning getting Gosh. a call that my mom wouldn't answer her phone and my brother had to go look for her and they found her and she had passed away. And I was mm -hmm. at apex meetup where I was going to speak on stage for a group of entrepreneurs. It was my first speaking gig and I immediately had to leave. I didn't get to speak. Wow. Um, yeah. Before that, I was working out every day. I was doing jujitsu every day. I was training for a half Ironman. I was doing so many fucking things that, you know, I was just, we were, and I was disciplined and having my best year. That obviously changed my life. Then my dad passed away three months later. Oh my gosh. I'm uh, so sorry. From, he lost his battle of cancer. So that also changed my life. 2022 was probably a hard, the, the past 18 months, 24 months has been a struggle to get yeah. back to where we, to where I was before. Yeah. Having yep. said all that, yep. I focus on getting fit. So I'm an early riser, which is something that changed when I started working on myself. Cause I used to wake up late, yep. not have yep. any energy. Um, I, I want to get a workout in every day. I want to read a book, 10 pages of a book, at least every single day. Um, so those are, those are the things that I want to do. Obviously not every day they happen, but it's something that I'm, is always on top of mind. And I, you know, I have a zero day, no zero day mentality, no zero day. So if I don't get a workout in, at least go for a walk. If you don't get a, a read in, at least listen to the podcast or listen to a book on the way to work. Um, so there's things that you need, you can do to have a no zero day. So every day I do those things. I listen to a podcast. I read an audible book. I like, I have tried to read a book. I have all my books in a bathroom in my <laughs> living room of my house. <laughs> nice. One of the first things I do in the morning is go to the bathroom, right? That's so I right. have the book. Yeah. Me. Yep. So I don't miss reading the book because it's right there. I can't miss it. Yep. So what routines did you go, like, obviously losing both parents within a three-month span, I mean, that would cripple a lot of people. What did you do to get through those tough times and still lead a company and lead a bunch of employees? And, I mean, you still had to show up to work every day and be the leader for people. So what what did you do in that season that that got you through, really? Because there's, there's seasons of our life 
that aren't this like we're going to grind every day and we're going to achieve something at the highest level. There are seasons where it's like, hey, we just got to get through this stretch. And yes, we have big dreams. Yes, we have big goals. But at the end of the day, what did you do to get through that season? And then obviously where you are now, I mean, you can tell you're, you're fired up, you're passionate and you're achieving things at the highest level. But during that season, that hard time, what did you do to get through that that season? Because I think a lot of people can relate, right? They Maybe they filed bankruptcy or they lost a loved one or they got a divorce. Whatever it is, different people go through different situations. But, but you know, you might be able to speak to them to say, hey, this is what I did that helped me. I'm not going to say it was it was easy. Nothing's ever easy, man. Nothing worth yeah. doing is easy. You know what? Because right. it's, it's going to be a cliche every time you ask me a question. Is, it wasn't easy because, right. you know, it changed my life. Mm-hmm. And... I don't want to say that you ever get over it because I'm not over it. You know, just yesterday I was thinking about my mom and uh, when I was on the couch with my kids, she loved my, her grandkids. She loved my kids that like, those were her reason for being was her grandchildren. And she's not going to get to see them grow up. She's not going to get to see my daughter get married, graduate college. And she was all about that. I would speak to her every single day. Every day on my way from home, I would speak to her. Wow. So one of the things that really helped me was I got a call one day with Carlos Reyes, thanks okay. to Avengers Mastermind. Yep. He's a real estate guy from Arizona. And he's actually from Mexico. He's He, he would be a great guest for your podcast, by the way. Okay. Um, he told me, and he could tell that I was going through something the time that we were speaking because it had just happened. It was weeks in or... Um, and I was, you know, I still made time to make the calls and still made time to do the things that I was doing because that's what I felt would help me. And what he told me was, what you have to, you have to know that now your parents' memories live through you now. Oh yeah. That's good. You have to be the best of the best because of them. Yep. Also, that's not right. just because of you, not just because of your kids, but because of your parents. And so that made sense. And it helped me get through those times. It still doesn't mean that, you know, I, there were days I couldn't get out of bed, bro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Days that I still can't get out of bed sometimes. And, you know, um, and th- that's what I decided to do. Is that's right. It's important. Make sure that I, everything I do, everything that I do for my kids, everything that I do for our trailer King Builder family, make sure that remember that, you know, I'm here because of them. So um, one of the things I regret the most was not going faster to help my mom um, because, you know, she was, she, she, she had a lot of necessities. Yeah. I wish I could have retired her or, you know, propped her life up um, before she passed away. And that was yeah. the plan. Yeah. You know, I went from providing a small amount of funds to her on a monthly basis to where she could count on me whenever she needed so, um, if you're struggling, just keep going faster. Yeah. It gets better. Yeah, that's important, man. Super, super important. Okay, so so let's go. Let's uh, let's go through the Trailer King Builders journey, right? So you started this company in 2018. Yep. Um, how was the idea born? Obviously, you were selling trailers at the time. Was it food trucks or was it? Yep. Okay, it was. So you were a salesperson for a different organization selling yeah. food trucks, and then you just had an idea like, hey, I think I could start my own company? That's exactly what we did. So we okay. had we had a partnership with a company that would buy 
trailers from us that we would just convert. Okay. Right? Yep. But they were exclusive. Um, we would sell to no one else. But we started this together and we noticed that there was an opportunity to start selling to individual people because there's a lot of people that want to get into this industry. And I'll never forget our first Facebook ad and not an actual paid ad. We put it in Facebook marketplace. We just took a picture of a trailer. We didn't have the trailer at the time and we just put a, a Facebook marketplace uh, announcement. Hey, well we build concession trailers and I got hit up by a lady out in Santa and in uh, Austin that wanted to do a uh, micheladas out of a trailer. Okay. So Obviously, with my sales techniques that I had acquired previous, I sold her, and we took a fifteen thousand dollar deposit on a thirty thousand dollar build out. I love that it. was my first cash sale. Yeah, and uh, we went out with that fifteen thousand deposit, bought the materials, got the trailer done, and delivered it to her. Um, we gave her a delivery date. We worked till like twelve one o'clock in the morning. Um, that was our wow. first build out. That's and incredible. at that time, I drove off to Austin to deliver it the following morning. That's amazing. It's so funny. We have a very similar story because I don't know if you've listened to mine, but we started uh, building tiny homes on wheels. That's how we got into this industry. Yeah. And it, very similar story. I didn't do any paid ads, but we launched um, a an, an, uh, Facebook Marketplace post. And then yep. we ended up selling a tiny home on wheels and building it on my dad's property. Awesome. Um, it's just very, very similar. So funny. Thank you, Mark Talk Zuckerberg. Thank yeah. you, Mark Zuckerberg. That's for right. Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. yeah. Now you can't do it. You got to pay for it. And they, they kind of track you. But so talk to me about starting, right? I think a lot of people in their entrepreneur journey, or even maybe if they have a job right now and they want to start something, I think great entrepreneurs, obviously you have to just start and you have to put yourself out there and take that leap of faith. So talk to me about those moments of when you did post that ad, like what, what made you feel qualified or did you not even feel qualified? And you're like, I'm, I'm just going to start and try this thing out. Yeah, no, no, I was not qualified. Yeah. I had no idea what the hell we were doing. about. <laughs> That's, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You know, yeah. uh, my days were spent so here's literally, I had an off. I didn't have an office. I was working under a tree in the front yard of my business partner's house while they were helping. Cause my business partner were three of us. One of them, he'd been in the industry building out food trucks for, I don't know, eight years. Right. We became partners cause he helped us finish the projects. I am more of the sales side, the business aspect. This guy fucking executes the projects. Yep. Yep. And, it's important. Um, we didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I had no idea, but I knew that I could get leads because um, I had already been applying some things that I was from where I joined Arate, or not Arate, but the people I was getting around, we could tell people were sharing information about yeah. how they were generating sales and how they could do certain things. And so we knew that we could generate a lead, you know. Um, and I knew we could get the project done because I had the right person to help me get the project done. All I had to do was find the customer, right? Now, I speak to this often. Um, I'm a person, or was I a person that doubted that people would trust me with their money? Yes, I doubted people would trust me with their money before we started doing this. Okay, okay, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I... I I don't know. I didn't, I was never an entrepreneur. 
you know, are people just going to hand me a $20,000 check because, (laughs) you know, out of the blue. Yeah. And if you focus on doing the right thing, people will trust you handing you their hard earned money. And it's, it's unfortunate that also people that do bad or that do wrong, they also know this. They know by having a good speaking game or that know that by being influential, they can get people to give them money, but then they don't do what they said they were going to do. That's right. Yeah. But um, we live by a set of core values. So I knew that I could get a project done. And so um, it still amazes me today. Like I keep all the checks, bro. This is all the history of every single check. I keep all of them. Colton. Wow. All of them. That's amazing. Every single check. Every single check I keep. I love that. I keep every single check from from 2020 handwritten check by one of our clients. Right. I have them all right here. All of them. Yeah. It takes you back. It helps you remember, right? Those times where, so walk me through. So you started in 2018. What does the company look like now? How many employees? Obviously, I'm sure you have a manufacturing facility. Um, Where's your headquarters? Kind of walk me through what the business looks like and then year by year, how you've scaled it. Yep. Um, 2018, we're operating out of a 5,000, like a 2,000 square foot yard. Yep. Right. A front yard. Yep. Um, We would do everything, have everything there outdoors. Um, that same year, about four months later, we moved into a um, probably like a 10,000 square foot house with a large yard, but it was like a dealership. You know how they used in Texas, they, there's a lot of old houses with large yards that were turned into car dealerships. Yep. Yep. This is yep. one of those. This okay. is one of those that we started and we leased it out. We were working outdoors. The elements, would cause a disruption. We worked in the Houston heat. We worked in the Houston winter. We worked when it rained, uh, rain or shine. We were always working, but we were always in the elements. So part of my job, part of my everyday duties was to remind our guys that we would one day be out of the elements. So I was always selling that dream to them to let them know that we were working on something so big that we were going to get out of where we're at. That's awesome. 2018, obviously, it took almost two years to get to the point where we leased the space, our first official manufacturing facility, 25,000 square foot. When we came came to the spot, we we came to the street where we wanted to lease a space, and it was the the place next door to us now that we wanted. And it's, you know, it's half the space what we have now, but that got got leased out really quick. Yeah. So we, we lost the opportunity to lease it. But the landlord was like, hey, we got the one next door. And we came to see the one next door. We're like, damn, this is huge. How are we going to fill this place up? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we filled yeah. it up in three months, bro. We That's filled crazy. it up in three months. Yeah. And now we have two facilities in Houston, Texas, a mile apart from each other. We manufacture trailers from the ground up. So we cut, weld, frame up the trailers, skin the trailers, electrical. And then we have the finishing area of our process where we install equipment just do the you know the interior finish of it on another facility and they're both we have about a hundred thousand square feet total oh that's incredible that's incredible how many employees do you guys have today we have about 55 full-time equivalent wow we went from doing you know from being four of us to 55 right now i have a picture actually every single year because we do a thanksgiving lunch uh it's a tradition 
And so I have a picture of every year of our Thanksgiving lunch. Last year's picture, we, you know, we filled up a big ass room. We had like four to six big tables. And before it used to be 12, 10 of us. That's right. Four yeah. of us. Yep. And uh, so every year I'm reminded of uh, how far we've come. That's amazing. And it yeah. seems like it seems like what motivates you just just from studying you from afar or watching your journey, you're involved in a nonprofit. You know, you put out content to help people start businesses. It seems like you're motivated by a lot more than just money. Right. You, like it seems like your heart is to really help people and, and give back. Right. Which ultimately leads to a life where, yeah, you're going to be successful yourself. But talk to me about that. Talk to me about how important it is for you to help to help people out and help them start their journey or even give back yeah i mean i was broke yeah back five years ago that's right not to say that i'm fucking a multi-millionaire now yeah but you know i have some means now like something that i didn't have before uh so for me it's important to help people because there's a lot of people that are in a position that they can't really help themselves um and obviously, uh, a rising tide helps all boats. So um, my motto is, is to help each other. Like yeah. I have communities where we provide free information. Um, I don't fear the competition. Like if a competitor wants to learn something, man, yeah, I'll help you learn it. The more that the competitors can come together and do well for the industry, the industry keeps growing. Um, and that's a mindset that you have to have. I don't. And, and it's the one that I acquired recently because I wasn't like this, right? And it goes back to self-development. It goes back to being living an abundant lifestyle, thinking in abundance and living on that frequency level. Yeah. Because I don't want to hoard all the information. If I hoard all the information and don't share it, it does no good. So, so for me, giving back is important. And in my industry, you know, I'm an industry specialist. I went all in in this thing. I'm a food truck. I was a food truck novice. And now I'm probably one of the you know biggest experts on how to start a food truck, how to succeed in a food truck business. And I want to make sure I share that information. That's right. And speaking to my nonprofit, you asked me what I you know what I used to do when I was little, and one of the things that I loved doing was play baseball. And in all this self development, you learn that you know you're only on this planet for so long. If you want to leave a legacy, or if you want to do something good in this life um ask yourself better questions and one of the questions i kept asking myself was when was i the happiest and i was happiest on the baseball field now i'm 44 years old i can't go out and make a major league <laughs> that's right that's right oh, yeah. but i can't help others get the, to the major leagues that's right and so i reached out to a nonprofit in 20 i was actually beginning my self-development in 2017 at the end of 2017 i reached out to them and i said um i googled how to bring used baseball equipment to nicaragua and I found a nonprofit from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, called Helping Kids Run First. And I reached out to the CEO. His name's Craig Severson, great friend of mine. And we, I wrote him an email. I said, hey, listen, I want to do what you do. I want to bring baseball equipment to Nicaragua. I used to play baseball in Nicaragua. If you don't help me do this, I'll figure it out. We were on the phone for an hour and a half that day. And he invited me to come join his organization. I sit on the board. I provide economic help to them but he also introduced me to a baseball coach in Nicaragua his name is Johnny and he had a small baseball academy it's called working for a dream 
So my podcast is called Working for a Dream. It stems from the baseball academy where we help underprivileged kids get an opportunity to sign with Major League Baseball. That's phenomenal. Wow. So And it helps. Like whenever you feel down or whenever you don't want to do shit, go help somebody. That's right. Yep. You know, I see these kids, they don't grow up with any money. They very underprivileged. I mean, underprivileged is an understatement. And we're getting giving them the opportunity to sign with Major League Baseball. And so these teams sign them for a signing bonus. Then they pluck them out of the country, take them to the Dominican Republic, where every Major League Baseball team has state-of-the-art facilities. I'm talking like university-level kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And these kids have been growing up playing on cow fields, right? That's how they get their skills. Yeah. And you take them out of there and you put them and they're getting an opportunity. And then it's That's up to amazing. them. That's Once amazing. you put them there, it's up to them. Yep. yep. It's up to them to make it. That's awesome. That's what man. I want to do. My dream is to sit in a major league baseball stadium with Craig watching our kid and Johnny watching a kid or one of our kids in a major league baseball game. That's phenomenal. We're almost man. there, I love bro. That. I love that. I love it. I love it. Okay. So what, what is next? What's the vision for trailer King builders? What, where do you guys want to go? Who do you want to become? Like what's the five-year play? And then what's the long-term vision? We want to be the premier food truck builder in the world. Um, We want to scale to have a presence in most major metros in the next five years. So we started the franchising process just like you did. That's right. I love it. I love Um, it. We want to make sure that we build a brand that's recognized, that helps people in the food truck industry. And, you know, we want to get to 150 million in revenue, bro, in the next five to 10 years. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And so are you, are you the one that's kind of driving the vision for your company? Are you kind of the, you know, cause I feel like we have similar stories. I'm this kind of sales and marketing. I knew nothing about construction. Right. But I was the guy that was like out meeting with clients and selling jobs and, you know, helping with the marketing side of things. Are you the one kind of driving the business forward? Yes, sir. Okay. I mean, you yep. can say that. Yeah. I can't do it alone though. It's not, not exactly. All. Yes. No, 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 for sure. It's not all me. Like I provide a framework or a vision forward and then it's everybody else's um, as a team. We execute. We're not perfect. You know, we'll, we drop the ball. We have, you know, clients are going to complain. Manufacturing is not easy. It's, um, but we are who we say we are, which is what's the most important for us. By far, by far, because then you have clients refer to other clients. I think that's relatable for me too. Cause I always tell people, I'm like, I get to think of the ideas and then everybody else has to go do the work. So I kind of have the easy job, right? Like not to say at the end of the day, the hard decisions come back to my desk. Yeah, it is hard, but ultimately I get to think of the cool ideas and the vision and the strategy and all the fun stuff. And then, and then building the team around me, right? It's, it's me, my dad and my brother, you know, they're handling a lot of the hard stuff, the contractor relationships, the, you know, whatever the, those things are. I feel like a lot of times, I feel like I'm blessed because it's like, okay, yes, we get to have the vision. I get to focus on the sales process, the marketing, where are we going? What's the plan? Um, and then everybody else around me, like I'm so thankful for the team that we've built because they're the ones that actually make this thing happen. So talk to me about the employees you guys have brought on, right? You have two partners. Have you hired any high level employees that you, um, that kind of help you in operations, marketing, whatever it is? 
yeah, I mean, we I used to do the payroll, and now we have a you know a, a person that does that. I used to do all the marketing, all the marketing, running the Facebook ads, creating the content, doing the videos, and now we have one of the most talented videographers and graphic designers that work full time for us, mm-hmm. um, and they do an amazing job. That's awesome. Um, but we've also developed some leaders inside our company that stayed with us through the hard years. And these are the guys that were outside working in the 120 degree heat. That's right. Now they're supervisors. Now they lead their own team. So we're having to teach them how to lead, how to be, you know, more because they were, they were hammers. Like they were hammer away. And now they have to learn how to motivate their team to do what they used to do. That's right. That's awesome. Talk to me about that. Talk to me about developing people inside of a company because we've done that quite a bit too. I feel like it's important to let people thrive and have vision, right? Like uh, Ed Milet talks about if your vision isn't big enough to fit everybody inside of that vision, Andy Frisella also, but you know, talk to me about that because you're building this vision and then obviously all these people inside this company have their vision inside of your company. So talk to me about how you paint that vision and then help people understand that they can elevate inside of your company. Talking about it, brother. That's yeah. how we do it. Yeah. Every, every chance I get, I speak about where we're going, who we're going to be, who and who we're serving, right? When you go outside and you talk to our guys, and there's a famous story about a janitor working in NASA. Um, I think when a president asked him like what he was doing, I'm like, I'm helping send people to the moon, sir. That's what he answered. So I want our team to know that what they're doing, the plywood that they're installing, the gas line that they're running, is not just to build the food truck. We're helping families. And it's a do or die business out there for food truckers. That's What's right. the stat? What's the stat like? Uh, nine out of 10 businesses won't go past five years. People are investing their hard earned money with us. We're investing 50,000, 80,000, a hundred thousand dollars with us. Start their own business. That's amazing. Yeah. So we, as a team, we take a lot of pride in, in this and they've been developed by sharing that, by sharing the vision, by sharing who we are, like our carpentry division Eric started with us in tw- since 2018. He's been with us since 2018. And now he runs a whole division that we had to start from zero. That's phenomenal. Because That's we amazing. didn't know, you know, we had to start before everything used to come already made. We just assemble it. Now we're manufacturers. And so we have a whole carpentry division that makes specialty items for these trailers that we didn't know how to make before. Bro, the quality of stuff that they're putting out is better than the shit that we were buying from someone else. That's phenomenal. I love that. And obviously you guys increase margins by doing that. So what would you say, what is one thing you've accomplished in your business that, that shocks you that you just had no, no clue you were going to do when you started out? Man, that's a great question. That shocks me. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing shocks me. It's only been five years, bro. It's only been five years. Yeah. And I, you know, when I was the VP of commercial banking for Citibank, I would visit these companies and I got to work with a lot of CFOs and business owners. And I was always walk and walk other people's companies and, and imagine it being me walking my own company. And I wouldn't, I could never like relate, but I could, I tried to vision myself walking 
And so that's what it most impactful to me, being able to come to a, a place where your owner, right? The fruits of your labor, you can see just by walking the shop. And so, you know, I love it. That's, that's, awesome. that's what, you know, that's, that just shocks you. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what are, um, cause, cause obviously we've talked a lot about the good times, right. And, and people in business, I think a lot of times the, uh, content world and entrepreneurs have done a bad job of painting the picture of how hard it actually is and what you actually have to go through to achieve something at the highest level. So talk yeah. to me about maybe some of the pitfalls that you guys have faced, you know, in your, in your business, you talked about your personal life and losing your two parents, oh, yeah. which, oh, which you is, want to know the bad stuff. Yeah, that's right. You yeah. There know, is bad stuff. Know the right? shit we go through. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's, well, not, it's not all, it's not all, you know, roses. It's, it's tough, man. And I think, well, yeah. How about I, you know, I maxed out my credit cards to keep this business afloat back in 2018 for a long time. My credit was shit. Yeah. I had a 500 credit score. If I wanted to go buy anything, a house, I couldn't do it. Wow. Right. Wow. But I had to have the faith of carrying all this debt that it was going to work out. That's right. right? Yeah. Eventually did. Yep. Then how about go up? open a business and try not to get sued. You're not that's, a business owner tough. until someone sues you. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, you know how yeah. stressful that shit can be when you go through your first lawsuit yep. or through your first ser somebody serves you and be like, Hey, you've been served. Yep. Like what the fuck? What, is this? For what? Yeah. what the <laughs> fuck did I do? <laughs> so right. here's, I'm going to tell you a backstory. Yep. The, the first person that sued us was, so we sold the food truck. Um, and this is a learning opportunity. We didn't have any contracts back then. Um, no contract, no written contract. It was just an invoice, uh, written paper, like that was it. Invoice, floor yeah. plan, boom. We do your we do your work. We bought a food truck secondhand, which we don't really mark up. Like we would sell it for the same price. And it broke down. The engine broke down, everything broke down. Wow. As a new business owner, you don't know that you have to have a buyer's guide as a dealership that says you're buying it as is. And so um, this client of ours, you know, we offered to make it right by paying X amount of repairs. But they took it to the next level. They wanted it to look brand new. And that's when I was like, sorry, this is the best we can do. We can give you this amount of money and it'll get you back on the road. Three months later, we got served. And from our attorneys, they were like, bro, just settle. You're going to lose this shit. You guys don't have contracts. Um, it's going to cost you a lot more money. But we lost $25,000. The following day, we had contracts. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never made that day, mistake again. Yeah. Yes, yeah. The following day, we had contracts. Oh, yeah. you want to talk about cash flow in a manufacturing business? Yeah. Um. Our cash on cash cycle is 180 days or 120 days on average between that. But our payables are due in 90 or in 30 days. Well, how do you make up that gap? Yeah. Well, you have to go out and get funding. You have to go out That's and right. get loans. You have to go out and you know figure it out, right? Um, so right now, our sales have dropped. Interest rates are up. Yeah. Yeah. What does what interest rates when interest rates go up? People don't get approved for loans anymore. Startups are hard to get open, so our sales are lower than they were last year. 
So you have to make hard decisions like you have to let people go, have to reduce your fixed expenses. Um, managing cash flow is not for everybody. I don't know if you if if, if you've been through some, you know, oh, everybody yeah. in construction goes through cash flow issues. <laughs> it's a grind. Yeah. No, absolutely. Collect, we have you pay, you yeah. collect, you pay. Yeah. We're not a cash, we don't receive cash every single day. Uh, because we don't, you know, you don't come in here and get something off the shelf and pay me immediately. Yep. Yeah, we're a, we're a fully customized concession trailer and food truck business where we collect some deposits. Any delay affects your cash flow because people don't want to pay you for the balance until they see the fucking finished product. That's right. Yep. Um, so that's something that we, you know, it's challenging, but it's an opportunity yep. to get better. And so, you know, we uh, we focus on making sure that we can collect on time, making sure that we're fast enough. Oh, materials, you know, the materials you need to get delivered. They send you the wrong material, you know, they deliver the the wrong material for the projects. And now you have to wait another three to five days and then that delays everything. So there's, it's not all rainbows and butterflies as being an entrepreneur. Totally. Yep. Yeah, I always talk about, I'm like, man, it'd be a lot easier just to be a sales rep for my company. It's like, they, I know. They, they make great money. They don't have to deal with the headaches, right? And, and there's nothing against my sales reps. They're incredible. But a lot of times, yeah, the cash flow issues, the lawsuits, right? The stuff they don't talk about, In they, they just want to show Ferraris and Lamborghinis. And, and yes, that stuff is fun. But at the end of the day, it's a lot harder than you think it's going to be. And there's things that you go through that ultimately you had no clue were going to happen, right? I mean, we've dealt with the same stuff, lawsuits from clients, lawsuits from vendors, cash flow issues, you know, customers not paying on time, having to place pre-liens on people's properties, just all kinds of stuff that it's like, man, I, they didn't talk about this. This wasn't part of the success equation. Why and I walking out on contracts. That's right. Yep. You just walk out. We're like, nope. Okay, cool. <laughs> Oh, I got to figure this out. Yeah, you're like, I was counting on that revenue, right? And it's like, now I don't even have that. Yeah. I make decisions on what is coming, right? We make decisions on what we, because we have to project shit. That's right. It's not all based on what you do today. We have to be able to project the next 12 weeks in advance, right? And you make business decisions based on that. And then here comes somebody throwing a big ass wrench in your decision making process. That's right. Okay. So talk to me about, you mentioned franchising just very briefly. So, so talk to me about where you are in that process, um, you know, because I want people to to hear about your story. And if they're interested in purchasing a franchise, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so what does that look like? Are you up and running or is it in the interim stages? Where, where are you guys at in that process? We finally finished where we can start selling them. We have the FTD in place. Awesome. Okay. We can onboard clients. And the business model essentially will be. As a franchise owner, all you're going to have to do is assemble a food truck or trailer for a client. We're going to send you everything ready to go. All you're going to have to do is buy the cooking equipment and then deliver that to your customers. Yep. Are you guys handling the marketing for them and, and things like that? We'll too, be handling or? marketing. Okay. We'll, be hand- we'll give them access to leads. Yep. Um, yeah. So, and then what is the roy- what does the royalty look like? Is it five, six percent? I believe we're at an eight percent, and it's a forty five thousand dollar startup. Uh, okay. Yeah. Startup. Very you doable. You don't need a whole lot, man. Yeah. Because you don't need to buy a facility. You just need a warehouse, some basic hand tools, and we'll teach you the rest. 
I love it. I love it. Very similar, man. Our, our stories are very aligned in, in, in similar ways. It's kind of funny. Um, okay. I have a couple ending questions. So yeah. if you had to define success, what would your definition be? Freedom, baby. Freedom. I love it. Freedom, freedom yep. to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Yep. Freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of Freedom of whatever, just free, yeah. be free. Yeah. That's success to me. That's right. Ed Milet talks about that a lot. And he's like, when you get into this journey of being an entrepreneur, he's like, don't forget what you were starting it for. He's like, some yeah. people they'll, they'll just keep the grind going for 20, 25 years and forget to take vacations with the family. And you know, you bought yourself freedom. Don't forget why you got into this in the first place, you know? And I think for me, that's very, that's spoken to me quite a bit because I am someone that, that takes this very serious and I work hard and right, like we all do, but I, I have to realize like, Hey, why did I do this in the first place? This was to, yep. to, to set my family up for success, to create generational wealth, to be able to take time off when needed, you know, to, to visit different places of the world, right? All of those things can be hard for me to realize. And I think uh, a lot of us entrepreneurs deal with that. Right. But let's not forget why we got into this in the first place. Yes, sir. So, okay. One other thing. So if you could strip away everything and give the audience the three most critical things they should focus on to build a successful life, what would those be? Three things to build a successful life. Yep. From experience. I've only come so far. It's only been five years. I can't speak to the previous. Be grateful. Number one, practice gratitude on a daily basis. Be intentional about it. Um, if you can't be grateful for what you have now, you will never be grateful for whatever comes. And being grateful creates opportunity because you start seeing opportunity in everything and uh, just creates abundance. So number one, be grateful. Number two, um, take care of yourself physically, mentally. Um, you can't pour out of an empty cup. So if you want to pour into others, focus on yourself first. This goes to husbands, wives, business owners, employees, whoever it is. Focus on yourself first, but be intentional about that too. So get healthy, read books, get around other successful people. I love it. And uh, something that I'm practicing now today, because I realized that, you know, I'm not going to be around too long. I'm 44 years old is be present. You can only focus on today. So make it count. Those three things. You focus on those three things. I'm pretty sure you'll have some sort of success. I love it. I love it. This has been awesome, man. So, so tell me where people can find you, uh, social media, websites, uh, where they can look you up and kind of read about your story and who you are. Yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram at Patrick Bolanos, HTX. If you want to learn more about food trucks, trailerkingbuilders.com or trailerkingbuilders on all social media handles, including YouTube. And, um, that's it. I love Instagram. it, man. Just look for Patrick Milano's on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and you'll find me. I love it. I love it. Man, it's been awesome interviewing you. I look forward to seeing you achieve that $150 million mark. Um, I'm going to be following the journey. Appreciate your time, Patrick. Thank you, Colton. It's awesome yep. to be on. We'll, we'll see, see you, man. Here.